1: Hello, welcome along to a brand new episode of Writer's Routine, where we take a look inside an author's day and see how they get stuff done. This week, we chat to Stacey Willingham. Her debut is A Flicker in the Dark. It's a dark crime novel that's just been optioned by the actress Emma Stone, and it's in the process of being developed for HBO Max. We talk about what she focused on when she was able to create a writing space from scratch, Also, how old jobs affect the way that she writes today. And we find out what she needs to start a novel.
2: I always like to have, I guess, what I call like a big idea. So, um, for example, A Flicker in the Dark is... The big idea was, what would it be like to be the daughter of a serial killer and then find that your father's crimes start happening again? So that's kind of like one sentence that describes the entire book. And so I need to be... Pretty clear on one, on what that big idea is, because the whole you know three hundred and sixty four pages are basically trying to answer that
1: one question. It's all on the way this week in Writers' Routine with Stacy Willingham. Yes, welcome along, it's Writer's Routine, the show where we take a look inside the working day of, of a writer, of a creative, someone who has managed to take an idea, to sit themselves down, to bash out the words, and then to get it published. How have they possibly done that? How have they planned their day, moreover, to focus themselves enough to do that? We'll find out. This week it's with Stacy Willingham. Stacy has worked in a whole bunch of different jobs including working in marketing and copywriting before publishing novels. We talk about how that affected the way that she tells stories, how it affects the way that she structured and edits them, having learned from snappy slogans and marketing. Now, her debut is a crime novel called A Flicker in the Dark. It follows Chloe Davis, whose world was torn apart when she was 12 years old and her father confessed to the murder of six teenage girls in the small Louisiana town where she lived. And then 20 years later, Chloe is a successful psychologist and then a local girl disappears and things start to unravel. She thought the murders that her father committed had stopped. Turns out she was wrong. You can find out more in the chat. Now, it's just been optioned by Emma Stone. It's in the process of being developed for telly. We talk about how she feels about potentially having every writer's dream come true, really. All that is on the way. We take a real snoop through her writing day two, and we'll find out why she moves around for her second draft. It's coming up. Let's kick things off then as we always do with what Stacey Willingham sees around her in the place where she sits down to write.
2: I am actually sitting um, in the exact spot where I did a lot of the writing for the first draft of A Flicker in the Dark and that is this giant white chair in my office. Um, So a funny story. In March of 2020, when I was finishing up uh, A Flicker in the Dark, or I guess I was working on one of the later drafts of A Flicker in the Dark, obviously COVID happened. And um, I felt like I was spending so much time in this little office and it was not at all decorated. It was kind of bland and just painted like this gray color. So I, I kind of went all out and completely redecorated it because I was, you know, thinking if I'm going to spend so much time in here, I might as well enjoy being in here. So as of right now, it's it's very bright. It's kind of painted like a, like a warm peach color, um, and I'm surrounded by bookshelves. So I've got one big bookshelf that kind of houses um, all my books about writing, all of uh, some of my, not only my favorite books, but... It, Maybe books that I've read recently that have kind of inspired me. I keep those kind of front and center. And then I've got another bookshelf on the opposite um, on the opposite wall that pretty much has all of my books in, in there. There's, I don't know, close to 100, maybe a little bit more. Um, and then I've got my desk, which has um, more shelves, like floating shelves hanging above it, which um, currently has like every version of a flicker in the dark on display. So I've got the ARC on there. I've got the um, the hardcover on there and a couple, uh, couple of my favorite quotes. So
1: that's pretty much it. When you decided you would redecorate and you had, uh, I guess, like a, a blank page to do it with, what did you think about what you wanted the room to be? How much were you thinking about making this the best thing possible for you to get creative in?
2: Yeah. So I, you know, it's funny because when I did redecorate, I had already written pretty much all of A Flicker in the Dark. So this isn't actually, I guess this isn't really what I was working with when I was writing it. But for me, I need to be comfortable when I'm writing. um, And I need a very clean and organized space. I think I'm a little bit, um, I'm a little bit obsessive when it comes to that. For some reason, if there's clutter around me, my brain just kind of feels cluttered. Um, so, so yeah, I, I just wanted it to be, you know, clean, organized, everything has its spot. Um, I also, you know, just kind of, I think I was, you know, in March of 2020, I was like needing something to lift the overall mood. So, which is why I painted it kind of this bright and cheery color. Cause it could be, you know, if I'm spending 10 hours a day in here, um, the fact that it's kind of painted this peachy bright color, just makes it enjoyable for me to spend all day in here, which a lot of people actually find ironic since I read about some pretty dark stuff, but I'm sitting here in a pink room.
1: (laughs) You mentioned the books that you've got on the shelves and these bright peach walls. Is there anything around you that's productive, that helps towards the story? Uh, Maybe post-it notes, uh, a whiteboard, pin board with research, with plot uh, notes on it?
2: Um, That's a good question. But I actually I keep all of my notes in my either my phone uh, and or my laptop. So there's nothing immediately around me. And I think that's because while I do a lot of writing in this chair, I also do a lot of writing at my dining room table and um, in like various coffee shops around town. So I like to keep my notes sort of mobile, since I don't, you know, necessarily being in the same spot every single day um but yeah my my phone kind of the notes app in my phone is a um doesn't make a whole lot of sense if any some random stranger were to open it up and look at it but i have all kinds of character ideas and, and entire scenes even that come to me throughout the day that i'll just quickly tap out on my phone um and same with my with my laptop as well i have um Pretty much when I'm working on a manuscript, I have a Word document for the manuscript. And then I have a Word document for like the, I don't outline, but basically a synopsis and like bulleted, a bulleted list of every character and kind of a bit about them. And then a third Word document where I put, um, I, I call it basically scraps. So like if I come up with a quick scene I want to write, I'll put it in the scraps document so I can copy and paste later when I get to that point in the book.
1: I'm interested in this the the the, not an outline but your kind of note page where you've got everything about the characters. How like what's on there? Is it just very thick bullet points about each character? Is there at all any hints as to what might come later in the plot?
2: Yeah, you know, I like I said, I don't outline. So when I start writing a book, I'm going in a bit blind because I like to figure out what happens sort of as the characters do. Um, but I find that if, in order to start and really start writing with confidence, I need to know what the big idea is, um, who my main character is, especially since I write in first person, I'm going to be you know very much in that person's head. So I need to know who she is pretty, pretty intimately. Um, and I usually know what the ending is going to be at least one big twist I've thought of ahead of time. So, um, so yeah, so that notes document, usually no more than a couple paragraphs. I guess think, um, I guess think, you know, initially it's sort of like what I envision the book jacket copy reading, kind of the thing that's going to pull someone in. Um, And then below that I will have a quick bullet of every character. So for example, I'm in a flicker in the dark, our main character is Chloe. And so I, you know, right in there, she's she's the daughter of a serial killer. She's an accomplished psychologist in Baton Rouge. Here's kind of some of the things that she struggles with. Um, just a, a very rough, very rough picture of who each character is. Because in the very beginning, of course, it's it's tough to keep them all straight. So I just want to have one place where I'm like, all right, here's my cast and I can go back and reference them. And as I bring them more to life I'll kind of drop more of those notes in that document so I'm I make sure I'm keeping true to each character as the manuscript goes on
1: you mentioned earlier that you don't spend all your time writing in your office occasionally you'll venture perhaps to the dining table or a coffee shop what dictates where you want to write why one day do you decide uh hell with it I'm going to go down to the dining room right now
2: that's a good question and I honestly depends on how i guess mentally how i'm doing like how i'm writing um there are certainly some days where i wake up and i drink my coffee and i am so i know exactly where the story is going to go and i feel like you know maybe i've been on a roll for a couple days and i don't want to waste any time like getting in the car and going somewhere so on those days i tend to kind of you know sit down at my dining room table at 8am still in my pajamas. And, um, you know, sometimes I'll look back up and it's 7pm and my husband's getting home from work and I'm still in my pajamas and I've been there, you know, literally for 11 hours. And um, so I I think when I'm really on a roll, I tend to become a little bit of a hermit and I don't leave the house because I just spend all day writing Um, versus if I'm maybe struggling a little bit with the plot point or I don't exactly know where I need something to go, it'll help me to I'll act a little more like a human and, you know, wake up, shower, get ready, leave the house and kind of like report to a coffee shop at 9am. And um, I don't know, I think giving myself a little more structure like that gives my mind time to think, you know, like think in the car while I'm driving there. And, you know, hopefully by the time I sit down at a, at a coffee shop table, I've worked some of that out. Um, I, I think it also kind of forces me if I'm physically somewhere else, thinking to myself like, okay, this is my office for the day and I'm here now. I can't leave. I need to sit here and I need to write versus if I'm kind of having writer's block at home, there's a lot of temptation to, you know, to watch Netflix or something like that. No two days are exactly the same. And a lot of that has to do with, again, kind of how if the words are flowing, if I know exactly where the book is going to go. But I would say on a typical day, I wake up, um, I try to start my morning's and relaxed to try and set the tone for the day. So I'll pour myself some coffee. Um, I'll sit on the couch. And usually the I spend about the first 30 minutes uh, to an hour of the day reading. Um, I find reading, reading you know, authors that I admire and writing that I think is really good kind of helps get my creative juices flowing. So hopefully whatever book it is I'm currently reading is doing that for me. But if I'm not currently just completely invested in a book. I have a couple favorites that I, I go back to time and time again that usually does this does the trick. Um, and so then after about 30 minutes to an hour, I sit down um, and I just I write. I mean there's not there's not a whole lot to say about that other than I'm just sitting there for, you know, three, four hours maybe writing. And um, sometimes it's a lot of since I don't outline and I don't know exactly where I'm going. Sometimes I'll find myself writing, you know, pages of descriptions that, you know, I think are really beautiful, but aren't actually pushing the story forward. And, and for me, that's okay, because in a first draft, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's when I go back, you know, during the second or third or fourth drafts, when I find those spots that are you know maybe slow or they're not doing something for the story itself i can i can take them out and i can rearrange it and that's what that scraps document is for to keep keep things that i like but don't exactly know where they go yet um so i i try not to beat myself up too much about that when i'm writing a first draft and then usually around lunchtime i start getting uh, pestered by my dog so i feed him. Uh, I, I take that time to eat some lunch myself and then we go for a walk around my neighborhood pretty much every day. Um, and those walks also really help me a lot because I do a lot of thinking and plotting on those walks. Um, you know, again, if there's a, if there's a kind of snag in the plot or if I don't exactly know what I'm going to do with a certain character or if I've noticed that I've made some kind of error and I can't figure out what to do with it, I pretty much obsess over it, you know, for three miles. And by the time I get back home, I've got something of an idea, um, some kind of idea of what to do. And then, and then I, you know, I do the same thing for the rest of the evening. And when my husband gets home, I, I try to call it quit so we can spend some time together at the end of the day
1: when that happens when your husband comes home how good are you at switching off switching away from your story if you're writing full-time it's pretty all-consuming uh do you find it easy to pull away no
2: (laughs) and he he even says too that there's a what does he say he's like oh the wheels are turning because he'll be home and i'll be you know trying to talk to him like eat dinner or um, sit on the couch and have a conversation and he says that i get this kind of distant look in my eyes where he can tell i'm like not really listening i'm it's still in my head trying to figure something out. So I do try to, to disconnect and, um and, you know, leave the story behind me. But, you know, oftentimes, like you said, it is all consuming, and it's just not possible to do that. Um, So when that happens, a lot of times, you know, we'll eat dinner, we'll spend a little bit of time together, and then I'll sit back down and write until, you know, 10 o'clock at night, it, it really just depends. I, I'm not very good at many writers have in their routines, they give themselves, you know, a word count or a time limit or something. I'm more of, um, if it's working for me, I write in these, you know, marathon sprints. And if it's not working, you know, on the flip side, I'll spend a couple days not writing. And I just, I think and I walk and I read and um, I try to do other productive things that don't involve sitting at the computer.
1: The intention for every day though, Stacy. So when you sit there, uh, first thing, nine o'clock, whatever it is, What's your aim for that day? You said that you can go on these mad bursts where you're writing nonstop and sometimes it's not like that. What do you hope to get done?
2: Yeah, I excuse me, I guess my my aim every day is to for myself to get a little more clarity about where the story is going um, and to I always want to end it want to end every day where I myself am excited to figure out what's going to happen tomorrow. And I guess that's what I, of course, want the reader to feel too when they finish every chapter. So my intention for the day is, you know, if I get two solid pages written, that's fine with me, because if they're really well written pages, and um, I've had some kind of light bulb moment that is getting me super excited to wake up tomorrow morning and keep going, that's great. Um, you know, if I get two chapters written, that's also great. But if there are two chapters that are not exciting, um, and I'm, you know, kind of dreading waking up tomorrow and, and picking back up a lot of times I'll wake up the next morning and delete everything I wrote the day before. Um, because that didn't, those words didn't really achieve my goal. So, um, so yeah, I would say I'm just always looking to, end the day as I would end a chapter. And that's kind of on a cliffhanger to get myself excited about what I'm going to write the next day. Again, just every single day, getting a little bit more clarity about my characters and the direction that the story is going. Since um, again, when I start a book, I, I myself don't even really know where it's going. So it's a constant process of trying to figure that out.
1: You said that you can write for three or four hours at the start of the day, then come back. How do you find your energy ebbing and flowing through that time? I know I'm awful at this, but are you any good at sitting there with tunnel vision, just cracking out the words?
2: If I'm really in the zone, then yeah. I mean, I, I feel like <clears throat> there are some times where I'm almost in kind of like a writing trance where I just, it's like nothing, but my computer screen is is grabbing my attention. and. um those are my favorite days because you know I feel like I write some of my my best work when I'm feeling like that. Um, but of course, there are other days where where it's not like that. I feel like you know it's funny. This I probably am not giving you much of a routine at all because it's, it's <laughs> it tends to be a little bit different every single day. No one ever
1: does. It's okay,
2: <laughs> right? That's yeah. And I feel like when I first started, when I first started writing, you know, well before I got my book deal try to read so much advice from writers that I admired about what their routines are and um, you know outlining and word counts that never ever worked for me so I just am of the opinion that you know trying to develop your own personal routine is part of the process but once you figure out what works for you you know that's your routine and there's nothing wrong with that so for me this a little bit of a chaotic energy is
1: <laughs> what works for me typically what about when things aren't going too well? Uh, you mentioned going out for a walk with your dogs helps ideas. Heard that many, many times. All, fresh air always works. Is there something maybe that's unique to you? A cup of tea or a coffee over there a certain amount of time? Maybe a, a song that you like to play that gets you, that immerses you in your story?
2: Um. Yeah, I, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big coffee fan. So when in doubt, I'll always drink a cup of coffee. But, you know, sometimes the extra caffeine will make me a little jittery, and it has the opposite effect. (laughs) Um, But I, I mentioned earlier, I'm a big reader. And there are a couple authors who their writing style just does something to kind of wake up my own writing, I guess. So if I'm having writer's block, or if I'm writing and the words just aren't really coming out the way I want them to, sometimes I'll just flip to a random page or a random chapter of um, a handful of just kind of trusty books that I have. And something about reading the way they write just kind of reminds my brain how to write. And um, those are, I'm a huge fan of Gillian Flynn. So um, her writing style to me is just perfection. So I'll I'll read, you know, a page of dark places or sharp objects. Um, I also love The Girls by Emma Klein. Uh, the prologue specifically, I think I've read probably a hundred times because her her metaphors are just beautiful and kind of the sense of unease that she puts in you as a reader, you know, with only, a, it's like a page and a half. So um, I'll read that. And then uh, Megan Abbott, I also really love. So yeah, no, no songs or anything like that. But if I'm just really struggling, um, I'll grab the same, you know, three or four books and just read a page and a lot of times for some reason my brain's like oh yeah that's how you write well and then <laughs> and then I'll pick it back up again
1: hey i'm Ryan Reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass We'll be back with more from Stacey in just a sec. Just popping up as usual to point you in the direction of our Patreon page. If you're enjoying the show, if you've learned anything in over 200 episodes, maybe in this one right here, you've heard a fact, a tip, a trick that's going to absolutely change the way that you plan your day. Whatever it is, if we've helped you out at all, you can become a backer and pledge to support us over at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. For just a couple of dollars a month, it really helps us carry on. It helps us keep bringing you chats with the best authors around as often as we can. Every Friday for a, you know years and years now we've been going on. For that, you get merch. There is also a way for your book to sponsor the show. You'll get bonus content and our undying thanks as always. If you do enjoy the show, if you've learned anything along the way, if you like to help us out at all, the easiest way to do that is become a backer and pledge to support us for however long you can, for however much you can. Everything is really appreciated at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. Let's get back to it then with Stacey Willingham talking about her writing day and specifically designed writing space. In this part, we talk about how she doesn't really know what happens in the story until she sees it on the page. Also, why the characters do what they want when they want. How she feels now, a flicker in the dark has been optioned for Telly. And we pick things up talking about the authors that inspire her and how she turns to them when she's stuck.
2: Megan Abbott writes very differently than Gillian Flynn, but I look up to both of them. And um, so while I will get inspired by their writing, I feel like if once I sit back down at my computer, I could never. Write the way Megan Abbott Abbott writes because I just don't know how, but that comes very naturally to her. So, um, so yeah. I mean, of course, of course, I would never, you know, take a line from another book. But just looking at the way other writers describe things, it's my own brain just kind of churning and thinking in a more creative way. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I just feel like every writer has a, a voice that's unique to them, kind of in the way that you know every every singer's voice sounds a little bit different. And um, so, yeah, I hope that that answers your question. But I don't think I've ever sat down after reading another writer's work and found myself emulating them, per se. I, I just am getting inspired by them.
1: You mentioned that when you start writing a book, you don't really know a whole lot about the story. What what do you need to know? When you start writing a first sentence, what, what do you know about where the next 300 odd pages will take you
2: yeah so i always like to have i guess what i call like a big idea so um for example a flicker in the dark is the big idea was what would it be like to be the daughter of a serial killer and then find that your father's crimes start happening again so that's kind of like one sentence that describes the entire book and so i need to be pretty clear on what on what that big idea is because the whole you know 364 pages are basically trying to answer that one question. Um, I also need to be very clear on who my protagonist is on a pretty deep level. So, um, you know, Chloe, the protagonist of A Flicker in the Dark, I know that she's the daughter of a serial killer. She's a psychologist. But um, I also have, at this point, a pretty, pretty deep understanding of her her fears, her desires, her memories, um, her, um, you know, what she's trying to accomplish with her life. I mean, I I know her very intimately because usually before I, I sit down and start writing, I've been thinking about the story idea in the character for you know sometimes months, if not a year. I mean, I think when I sat down to start a flicker in the dark, I had been thinking about Chloe in her story for about a year. So um, I keep a lot of that information in my head as opposed to you know, writing it down in a proper outline. But um, I just have to be crystal clear about what the story I'm trying to tell is and whose head I'm in before I start writing. And and again, I, I do like to have at least one twist or a general idea of the ending so I know what it is I'm working towards.
1: How how do you get to know that that, that the character though, especially your protagonist, how do you get to know them without really writing anything about their story yet? What's the method? Is it just... Yeah, brooding and scratching your chin is it mind bapping what's going on
2: yeah so for for chloe i i guess i try to really put myself in the shoes of my character as much as i can um and i find the best way to do that for me personally is through not shared experience with the character but shared emotions so um you know chloe the daughter of a serial killer you know unfortunately there are People out there who have that shared experience, but I don't, so I don't know what that's like. But I do know what it's like to be a little anxious. Like I'm a, I'm a bit of an anxious person myself, or to second guess myself, or um, to feel paranoid. Like there's emotions that Chloe feels that's attached to her experience that I have also felt. So I try to get in her head by remembering what those emotions feel like, and then applying those emotions to the unique situation that my character is in. Um, I also use a lot of my own memories when I'm writing. So, um, and I think, you know, I don't think I'm unique in that. I think, you know, write what you know is a a pretty common phrase. And and a lot of time writers do write what they know. So, you know, for example, with with Chloe, she um, is thinking back on, her childhood and her life with her father and trying to grapple with the fact that he turned out not being, you know, the loving father and the man that she thought she was and for those scenes um I actually thought about a lot of memories I have with my own father and I tried to think like this was a really great day with my dad when I was 8 years old how would I feel looking back on that memory knowing that he was not who I thought he was um so I just do a lot of I guess introspection uh, to try and empathize with what it would be like to be in their situation.
1: And then when you start writing, many authors who I speak to will describe their story as, as, as a road map or a road trip, for instance, so they know where they're beginning and, and you know where you're ending. At what point for you do things become clear through the windscreen of the story card that you're driving when do you know when you need to turn right and left and and crack on when when, when does the next move become apparent to you
2: a lot of times i don't think that happens until i get to you know maybe even a second or a third draft um you know for me i i always kind of joke with with my agent and my editor that the way i write is probably not doing them any favors when it's time to edit and get a little more clear but um you know for me i i just like to focus first on getting the story down and making sure i'm really happy with the writing and then when i can put it to the side for you know a week or two and then read it again beginning to end with more fresh eyes is typically when i find like okay it's starting to to lag a little bit right here i need to create some kind of action to get me quicker from this point to this point so So, yeah, I I hope that answers your question. But a lot of times, my first draft is kind of a you describe the book as kind of a road, as a road getting you from point A to point B. The first draft is kind of a windy and meandering road. And then when I read it the second time or the third time, that's when I start to get, you know, get the turns a little more sharp and have a, a better idea. I guess I, you know, I just will find a way to get there more efficiently the ideas must come out of some subconscious part of my brain because it's not its not even like when I'm writing and I'm in one of those kind of marathon writing episodes. I'm not even really actively thinking about what I want to say. It's kind of just coming out. But um, But I will say, you know, if I am writing, because I don't outline, I'm kind of figuring out my characters as I go and I'm kind of going through the story as they go through it. And so sometimes there will be a moment where I'll be, you know, I'll have characters in a scene or um, they'll discover something and I'll just kind of have a light bulb moment where I'm like, okay, like, I didn't know why they were here in this place together before, but because she just said something now I know. And that'll, it's a lot, a lot of those just kind of quick light bulb moments that happen throughout the process that will then change kind of the course of the story and, and chart where I'm, where I feel like I'm supposed to go next.
1: Uh, sorry, fant- <laughs> that was fantastic. I was kind of involved. Oh. Um, but you worked <laughs> you, you you worked in marketing, right, before turning to fiction full time.
2: I did. I had a i um I had a lot of full time jobs before I wrote fiction full time. I was in marketing, uh, PR, copywriting. Uh, I, I worked at a real estate technology company at one point. I kind of hopped all over.
1: <laughs> so in marketing and copywriting, that's all about getting your message away as concisely as possible to attract someone to. To buy what you're selling, for want of a better phrase, uh, how has that affected the way that you write novels? Do you think
2: that's a really good question? Um, I've taken a little bit, a little bit from every job that I've had, and I think it's helped me write novels. My problem with with marketing and copywriting, and um, I even I did a bit of freelance journalism as well, is I. I am a I write way too long, and I always have. um uh, my articles would be like five times the length of my uh, allotted word count, and my editor would always have to slash it and she would take out all the pretty parts and I would just be devastated. So, you know, I've always kind of pushed back against trying to be you know short and concise and probably to a detriment to my my previous jobs because that's just not how I do it. And um but I did have a job. My my most recent job um that I left in October 2020, uh shortly after I got my book deal was um I was a copywriter for a marketing agency and I got to write brand stories, which basically means I would interview um people at a certain company and kind of get to the heart of what their company was all about and what made them unique. And then I I would write a, a story or we called it a brand anthem that was really actually kind of a bit poetic in the way that they would allow me to write it. That kind of served as like a rallying cry for the employees to feel like, you know, this is what our company is about. This is what makes us unique. This is kind of like their manifest internal manifesto in a, in a sense. Um, and that really helped me in, when it comes to writing fiction, because that helped me dig very, very deep to try and see past the surface level of, what a thing is, whether that's, you know, a company or a, a setting or a character or a story and um and kind of get to what makes it very, very unique and special in its own right. So that was um, the last job I held before I started writing fiction full-time. And honestly, my, my favorite job out of all the full-time jobs I had, I think because they gave me that freedom to be a little bit more creative.
1: Uh, and lastly, the debut, so a Flicker in the Dark, uh, well, I mean, with some success, it's been so it's been optioned by Emma Stone and, and they're actually making it right for HBO. Is, is that right? So it's still pretty
2: early in the process, but yes, the intention is for it to be a series at HBO max. Um, but where, where we are right now is again, very early. We have a screenwriter. Um, it is not in production yet though. So um, I, I, I don't have any, I wish I had a little more detail to share with you there, but unfortunately I don't even have that detail yet. But as of right now, yeah, they're working on the script um, and, and, Fingers crossed that it'll go into production, but we haven't hit that milestone yet.
1: Well, no bother. I, I just mean to ask when you're, this could be the stuff of dreams, not just to get a, a book published, but to have that go on to have some success and be made into a film or onto telly or whatever happens with it. Uh, how, how much do you, do you think about that at all? Now? now you're, I assume, halfway through writing your second or whatever's going on?
2: I mean of course yeah of course I think about it but I I think to your point this is these are the things I dreamed about when I was writing a flicker in the dark but I think the things that I also didn't really allow myself to actually believe would happen um and at the end of the day it doesn't really help me in my creative process to get hung up on things like that that are ultimately out of my control so what I really try to do is just focus on writing the best I can possibly write for whatever's coming next. And I would love to see A Flicker in the Dark on HBO Max. I mean, I think Emma Stone and A24 would do a fantastic job bringing it to life. And, you know, they've told me a bit about what their vision is, and I'm just I'm super excited about it. But, you know, if for any reason that doesn't work out, that's that's not something that I can control. But um, but I can control what my second book and how well I write that. So um, that's kind of been as as a self proclaimed control freak. That's been hard for me to kind of get to that point. But I think I think I finally am at that point now. Where you know I think about it and I get excited about it. But I uh, that's their job to bring that to life, and my job is to keep writing books. So um, that's kind of how I try to focus my time.
1: Thank you so much to stacy willingham for coming on the show her brand new book a flicker in the dark is out right now now next week we're chatting to claire frost who is a book reviewer and author she's just published her new uplit novel called the one i love this we've gone from crime to uplit what was probably once called women's fiction Uh, anyone can read it and there's so many different styles of authors that we have on the show if you'd like to see that carry on, if you'd like us to keep bringing you chats with the best authors around as often as we can, you can become a backer and support us at patreon.com forward slash writersroutine. In the meantime, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if that's how you listen. You can tell someone else in the writing community if you know anyone else. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, we are at writerspod, and drop us a message at writersroutine.com. And I will see you next week with Claire Frost on the show. Until then, bye. Bye.